It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. This is Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm Zach Blackerby. Weird show today. Just giving you a heads up right now. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Painter Sharpless, and we recorded this yesterday, and I'll explain why that's uh, important in just a moment. Uh, We'll also talk with Candice Cooper. She is the host of Locked On Tar Heels. Kind of wanted to get her her thoughts on the UNC side of uh, that Auburn-North Carolina game being dropped. Uh, from uh, from both uh, both teams' schedules. So, uh, first things first. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Fetch Me Home Delivery. Every week, they pick three restaurants here locally in the Auburn Opelika area, and they partner up with them and say, "Hey, if you type in promo code ten off one zero OFF, you get ten dollars off your order, assuming you spend more than thirty dollars on your order." And their uh, their restaurants this week, Chick Fil A. Eddie's Calzones, and Charlie's Family Kitchen. So 10 off uh, on FetchMeDelivery.com or their free app, and you get $10 off at any of those three restaurants. I know everybody loves Chick-fil-A. Eddie's Calzones is great. I've been there a few times. And Charlie's Family Kitchen. Also, if if it's your first time using FetchMe, use promo code ZAC20, Z-A-C-2-0, ZAC20, for your first delivery free. Of course, that is at FetchMeDelivery.com in the free FetchMe app. So Painter Sharpless will join me in just a moment. We had the conversation yesterday, like I said, and our topic was, what do we want to see when Auburn starts fall camp on Friday? (laughs) Well, uh, of course, shortly after we got done recording that for today's show, uh, Auburn Undercover broke some news um, in regards to the SEC's preseason practices. They're going to be different than they have been. And once again, this is uh, this information is coming from Auburn Undercover. None of the SEC schools will start their preseason practices on Friday. So Painter and I, in a few minutes, will mention uh, you know what do we want to see starting Friday. Uh, ignore that. Ignore that because uh, the SEC office announced yesterday that it's approved a new preseason plan that'll now start practices on August 17th. So that is not Friday. That is um, later in the month. So teams will be allowed to practice 25 times in the 40-day period leading up to season openers on September 26th. During that time, programs must adhere to the NCAA's normal in-season rule of 20 countable hours per week. Two off days per week are required The new plan expands the SEC's normal preseason practice window by 11 days, providing flexibility for more off days and potential COVID-19 disruptions. Preseason camps for SEC programs were originally scheduled to begin on Friday. Jason Caldwell reported earlier today that Auburn's would not start on Friday. Um, From Friday through August 16th, programs will be allowed 14 hours of strength and conditioning, walkthroughs, and meetings, Walkthroughs will be required to be without equipment, meaning no footballs, helmets, or pads. Programs have also been granted three extra hours for non-football-related meetings. The SEC announced Thursday will play a 10-game conference-only schedule starting September 26th. The schedules have not been announced. So, yeah, that is from Auburn Undercover. They're running a deal right now. Highly recommend that you sign up for them. Um, But, yeah, I I don't think this is significant. Um, I think this is kind of expected. I think it hurts the freshmen 
a little bit more. And Painter and I talk about how freshmen have a, a chance um, in, in the conversation today. That, to me, changes um, a little bit. I think you're going to see, you know, less younger guys early, which that may have been the case anyway. You know, we may just kind of be reading into nothing. But uh, I think it's good that they get more practices in the grand scheme of things compared to a normal off season. But still, I mean, these guys didn't have a spring. I mean, these guys really haven't practiced yet at Auburn. They've probably gone over film. They've probably gone over plays and the playbook and the scheme and kind of what they uh, want their roles to be in 2020. But we still don't really know, right? And so, you know, you, you hate it for some of those guys. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to open today's show with that because, I mean, that's some pretty significant news as far as we thought we were going to get something on Friday. In fact, Payne and I, uh, in just a moment, we'll talk about that, but we're not going to get anything this week. But we still will probably get some conversations. We got jersey numbers and weights uh, th- that have been updated on Auburn's athletic website and we will touch on that later in the week when Michael comes back. So, uh, yeah. Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7. Man, Friday's the day. Supposedly, Friday's the day. We'll find out, won't we? We'll find out. Love to think that it could happen. Yeah. Yeah, some kind of semblance of Auburn practicing, meaning there would be some kind of Auburn news and... Then at least you can just kind of go back to speculating position battles and just kind of getting back in the normal uh, off-season sports talk. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, this these last few weeks with baseball and, and the NBA, it sort of felt a little more normal, although the MLB obviously is working through some things. But yeah. uh, to your point, absolutely. So uh, at the time of us recording this, well, news broke a little while ago, so let's just start with, all, with the offensive line, kind of things that we want to see happening uh, happening at fall camp starting on Friday but Justin Osborne entering the transfer portal um, you know uh, I think his path to playing time while he was technically in the battle for uh, a starting tackle spot I don't think his path to starting was a very clear one I think he would have really needed to outperform what he was expected to do and I got I get the feeling that he was kind of feeling the same thing hence entering the transfer portal um, but uh, but yeah I think uh, it surprised me a little bit, but I don't think it affects Auburn's depth a whole lot. What are your thoughts on it? I agree. Um, I hope that things go well for him. Uh, he was a three-star player coming out of IMG Academy. I mean, he's 6'4", 280 pounds. So, yeah, you like that. Uh, I hope he lands on his feet, and I think you're right. I don't think a ton of people were expecting him to win a spot on the starting line, but uh We'll find out, and again, I, I wish him the best. Um, I, I was surprised by it; just was wasn't ready for the news. But I think uh, the coaches may have been. You know, you you think about bringing in a punter, and so it, it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know what happens with this offensive line. I'm not surprised that he's not going to be a part of it. I'm curious to see how many people across college football enter the transfer portal after they don't win a starting job this year, mm-hmm. because if you're going to sit out a year, it seems like this is the one to sit out. Just because you don't know how much of a year there's going to be. Absolutely. I think if you're on the fence with everything up in the air, whether we get any games, whether we get half a season, whether we get the whole thing, I mean, I think this is a fantastic year to treat it almost like a mulligan if you're looking for a fresh start. All right, so as far as what you want to see and what you want to hear, I guess here is probably the better term because I doubt we're going to be seeing any kind of uh, practices Mm. uh, viewing windows for media this fall. But as far as what you want to hear coming out of fall camp, offensive line is clearly a big one. That's the one, but at the same time, and you brought up this point, so I'll go there in a minute, but 
I we're, we're going to hear that they're progressing well. That's mm-hmm. what the narrative will be. I will believe it when, hopefully, if we have games, they're blocking defensive lines. In particular, you know, last year they struggled in run blocking, but we're good in pass protection. What will the strength of the line be? Will it just be more balanced? Does it gel together later in the year? So those things I think we just can't know because you expect the coaching staff to say good things. The point you brought up off mic was a good one. The benefit is they're going up against one of the best defensive lines. Rodney Gardner has ensured that every year he has a top defensive line in the country, and that will be the same this year, even with some of the question marks about players having to step into new roles and young players. Look, that's going to work out. Like Rodney Gardner gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were kind of joking uh, following that point that you just made about like you know, over the last two years when they went live in a scrimmage, oh. Auburn's defensive line over the past few years going against Auburn's offensive line over the past few years. It's like, how did they get any kind of <laughs> any kind of practice in? Because one was just so much better than the other. Yeah, especially you would think at the beginning of camp mm-hmm. when you go live and the offenses are at a disadvantage because – so much of defense is about effort and so much about offense. You know, if, if 10 people do it well and one person's off kilter, like that can really ruin a play. So uh, I can imagine it was a tough go. And it's funny to think about Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix, who had yeah. little to no experience. And it's like, hey, there's Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson. Yikes. Right. Right. And, and, and a host of other guys. So, yeah, that uh, another position. And this has kind of been something that we've talked about a little bit too much. But the corner opposite of Roger McCreary. Mm. I'm really excited about Marco Damio. I was kind of on the Jeremiah Pritchett hype train. I think I have uh, I've, I've switched trains now, and I would actually say that I'm the conductor of the the Marco Damio hype train. Is it because look, you bring in a junior college player with expectations that you can make us better right away? Uh, I think I'm overreacting to workout videos that he's posted. Ah, uh, alas. Well, you know these these things happen. Yeah. Did you see the video of Owen Papo jumping really high? Um, on his Twitter yesterday. I haven't. I will check it out. That guy is an absolute... I mean, he set like the Nike Spark record. I mean, he is literally one of the best athletes to go through those Nike camps. So uh, I am excited to see him jump what I imagine is very high. Yeah, I'm pulling it up for you right now. Thank but you. he uh Here we go. Here we go. I'm just going to hold it for you. Oh, Bre- boy. Break he it is. down. Break it down for us. The toes are pointed outward. A lot of arm motion going backwards, sort of like a backstroke. He is going very high. Those knees have to brace for impact when you're coming down like that. Yeah, he said uh, 40.3. So I guess he dropped 40.3 inches in the air. <laughs> That's what I'm assuming that is. I don't know why you would post 40.3 otherwise. Is that possible? That almost seems too high to be real. but um, That is outlandish. What linebacker plays the third most this year? Papo, I imagine, will not come off the field. K.J. Britt's going to play on every first and second down that he is able to. Who plays the third most? The easy answer is to Kobe. Chandler Wooten, I think, is maybe a little bit better in pass coverage. What do you think? I think it's all McLean, man. People on the team and around the program seem to be really excited about this year. For like, I don't know. Poor if Chandler Wooten, man. Yeah, and it's and the thing is, he's good. Like <laughs> he's Auburn so fans good. don't be disappointed when he's out there. But I think a lot of people around the program are expecting, with all the attention on Britt and Papo, for understandable reasons people to be a bit surprised and very impressed by what he can do and we saw some of that last year but that seems to be a sentiment that continues to pop up we will continue our conversation with painter sharpless in just a moment of course he of espn 1067 
but want to give some love to our friends at rockauto.com. Guys and gals, it has never been easier to buy any kind of part for your car, truck, or SUV. It's also never been cheaper or more convenient at rockauto.com. I've told the story before. You know, I got a, I got a headlight for uh, my wife's SUV. She drives a Kia Sorento. Um, Ross over at Locked On Saints talked about how he had like his tailgate stolen and he was able to buy a new tailgate. And I mean, they have everything that you need for your car, truck, SUV, whether it's a classic or it's a, um, you know, just your normal daily driver. It's super easy at rockauto.com. So head over to rockauto.com right now and uh, write Locked On or Locked On Auburn in the How Did You Hear About Us box um, so they know that we sent you. That's rockauto.com. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, any other things that you are looking at, Painter, things that you're kind of excited to hear about fall camp assuming we get any kind of answers during this fall camp period i don't expect anything specific but i want to hear that tight ends and wide receivers are being used and used in in new ways or at least different ways and with the tight end like part of it over the last five or so years is basically just are you throwing to them because Mm -hmm. you know there really hasn't been any of that and then with the wide receiver group i want to see and I think this might be something tough to derive out of camp because, again, like they're going to be really mum on anything uh, that Chad Morris is trying to install. But I'd like to hear some positive things, and I know I will about Seth Williams. He will perhaps be a first-round draft pick. But what about Schwartz and some of those other guys we spent so much of this offseason talking about? What sort of steps have they taken to make Seth Seth's life a little bit easier? So that that's a weird answer because it's like what I want I probably won't get but I want buzz about that wide receiver group and I want to hear that the tight ends are in fact being used I don't know if you and I have talked about this but I am team stove going into 2020 I don't think that's a bad call like people have sort of forgotten about him he's been at Auburn for a while now seven years (laughs) the injuries of course have been disappointing if not heartbreaking at times but he was valuable last year so yes to your point about or to my point about you know people making Seth's life easier as a true number one, absolutely. I think that is one that is has fallen through the cracks because Auburn's recruited well at wide receiver, and so yeah. it's sort of easy to forget about someone like Stove. What about a truly uh, natural wide receiver like Kobe <laughs> Hudson? You should be excited about him, but again, like I, I am weary of going out on a limb and saying like this guy is going to do what Seth Williams did as a freshman. But it's interesting how people around the program seem to expect he'll be on the field this fall. Right. Well, with them moving the season back three weeks now, I mean, a lot of people kind of from the national perspective saying like, hey, freshmen have a legitimate chance now to get, you know, a few more weeks in to, to learn everything and earn the coach's trust. And to me, when I read that, I'm like, Kobe Hudson, Kobe Hudson, Kobe Hudson. And here's what I think. If I had to predict what happened, this is not what I would do, but this is what I'm predicting will happen. I think I think what Gus Malzahn has done in the last few years, is assuming when Eli has been healthy, is that he'll 
they'll call a few plays, a scripted plays early to Eli Stove, and then he disappears from the game plan. And I think you'll see more Kobe Hudson after Eli Stove disappears and gets away from the game plan. To your point also about guys who would benefit, Tank Bigsby running back is usually a position where freshmen can come in and have an impact. Is he a freshman? Let's be honest here. Right. And so, you know, as you point out, uh, one of the high, I guess the highest rated running back since Rock Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. And then Marco Domio, who we talked about earlier, benefits, I think, greatly yeah. from this time. So maybe the tackles. I'd lump the tackles in there as far as Juco guys coming in, like Damio. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if some of the freshman defensive backs can get in there. You know, I think we're making a big assumption how good Smoke Monday is at times because I think athletically, I, I don't know how good he is laterally. I wonder if his name is Smoke, if our view on him is a little <laughs> bit different. Um, but uh, but th- that's something I want to see. And Pappas brought that up a few uh, a few weeks ago. About like, hey, you know, we're just assuming that these defensive backs aren't going to take a step back at all. Um, and, and Auburn lo- lost a lot of really good defensive backs over the last few years. So I think that's just something that I want to hear about. You know, are these DBs really still carrying the torch for Auburn's defense? And I feel confident about it with the way the different position groups, uh, excuse me, the different uh, defensive back coaches have done. And there's been a little bit of turnover there. And Steele has just been so fantastic. Sure. Like the, the defense. I, I feel good about that, but it is something I think to pay attention to. Absolutely, because it's becoming an expectation, and you know, at some point, it's not inconceivable there could be a drop off. Peyton, we're going to wrap up uh, today's conversation or today's podcast with a conversation with Candace Cooper mm-hmm. of Locked On Heels. Before we get to that, where can people find you and hear you? Please listen to the lunch break, eleven to one Central every weekday. You can hear that in podcast form as well. So if you like what it is, Zach gives you on Locked On Auburn. Justin Ferguson and I have you covered. Again, that's the lunch break. We hope to have your ears. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joining us now here on Locked On Auburn, Candace Cooper with Locked On Heels. Candace, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. So I I know from the Auburn fans' perspective, uh, there was a lot of excitement all offseason about this Auburn-UNC matchup in Atlanta. Obviously, now that's that's not going to happen. I was just curious if you could kind of give us the uh, the UNC side of of, of losing this game. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. I think it's been kind of a downer because we felt like this is going to be our year. We got a little taste last year when we beat South. Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we can start to stand toe to toe with some of the SEC guys. And we've seen in the past when we played LSU, we were right there on the cusp. So I was like, okay, this is the year that we're probably going to like make a name for ourselves. We finally have a good quarterback in Sam Howell. We finally have some seniors who are mature and everyone's ready to go. And like, of course, coronavirus is like, oh, wait, UNC football. <laughs> not so much. Not quite. <laughs> not quite yet. <laughs> well, it, it was kind of interesting though, because it kind of seemed like we lost this game in waves, right? Well, first, okay, it's just not going to happen. Then, then Atlanta, the the Peach Bowl's like, no, no, no. I think we can do this. I think we can do this. And then it's like, okay, well, let's see what the ACC does. And then the ACC comes out before the SEC did about what they were doing. It's like, well, if if Auburn goes to the state of North Carolina, then they're able to. Then North, then Auburn comes out and it's like, ah, I don't think we're going to North Carolina. So it's it's, it's just kind of weird 
how many steps that we lost uh, throughout all of this. But you know, uh, you covering the the Tar Heels, you covering this program. I mean, did did folks want Auburn to go to North Carolina? I mean, because early on, I think the quick rumor was, oh, cool, Auburn, North Carolina, maybe in Charlotte or something like that. Was that ever something that, that UNC fans wanted to happen? Yeah, absolutely. I think, again, Carolina football is really just ready to play the big schools and big names and kind of get that reputation under our belt. So everyone just wanted it to happen one way or the other. And the the optimism of just trying to have a season, right? So we can play the big names and get through. Let's do it. If it's an Auburn, you know, if it's a UCF, let's just try and get some good schools under our belt so we can start building that reputation that Mac Brown has built so far. What do you think about the ACC's decision to go – Conference only, then one non-conference you have to play in the home state versus, uh, you know, then the SEC's response coming out a few days afterwards saying, well, we're just sticking to the conference. I mean, there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of games that would have been lost because of that and a lot of rivalries. Auburn's not really in the situation, but obviously losing the North Carolina matchup. But I mean, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and I'm, I know I'm leaving a few out there, but... I mean, what are your thoughts as a whole as far as what the two conferences have done? Well, I think adding the non-conference was trying to give uh, Notre Dame a little love. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. The ugly stepchild when it came to scheduling anybody's game. But I think overall, everyone's just trying to find something to make to appease the fans at this point. And we're just going to skate through and just say conference. And it's going to come down to, you know, only in-state rivals, in-state games. Then it's going to come down to, oh, well, we might not be able to play. So I think because it changes by the week and how everything is spiking, because honestly, when school comes back for even elementary on up, we're really going to see whether or not it's feasible to have a season. So I'm just, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm also a realist. (laughs) It's just been interesting for you know the ACC to kind of step out there but we've seen you know smaller conferences go ahead and already pull the plug and of course there's not as much money in those conferences as there are for the power five schools but you know at the end of the day I appreciate the effort <laughs> but at the same time I think that the student athletes should be the forefront which is what I'm hoping these commissioners are trying to do yeah then you got conferences like the Sun Belt and they're like we're just gonna do it normal like you know screw all you other guys <laughs> So uh, like, all right. <laughs> yeah, okay, Sunbelt. Let's see how that works out. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Candace, one last thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, over the offseason, it seemed like there was kind of this budding rivalry between like Bo Nix and Sam Howell, both similar career paths, both had really good freshman years. Uh, the ACC honoring Howell, the SEC honoring Nix, and it's like, cool. We get to see these guys kind of duke it out on a primetime, nationally covered game. And now we don't get that. But as far as comparing the two guys, it seems like on a lot of national lists, Howell got more pub and more respect than than Bo Nix did uh, over the course of you know just looking at different watch lists that have come out and you know Heisman odds and and all of that. Was that uh, was that just an Auburn thing because Auburn folks kind of felt like Nix was getting the short end of the stick, or was that on both sides? Was North Carolina kind of in the same boat there? Well, you know, I think that we haven't seen such a dynamic quarterback, especially at Carolina football in quite some time. And of course, we talk about Mitch Trubisky, but you know, I'm not going to go out and say he was the most dynamic quarterback that I've seen. So I think people were just trying to give Sam Howell that love. But I also think it had a lot to do with Mac Brown and what he's kind of turned that program around to considering the Larry Fedora years weren't exactly the strongest. So I don't think it was a slight towards Knicks. I just think that, you know, everyone loves the fresh new toy. Everyone loves to honor the fresh new toy. And I think that's what Sam Howell really was for the ACC, what he was for Carolina football season sure sure Candace where can people find uh, find all of your uh, your stuff and listen to all of your podcasts 
Absolutely. So at Locked on Heels for covering the Carolina Tar Heels football and basketball this season. And you can find me at Candace D. Cooper on Twitter. Thank you so much, Drew Painter Sharpless. And uh, now a new friend of the program, Candace Cooper of Locked on Heels. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.